Before we start the show, I want to thank the thousands of you, the thousands who have read This Book Will Make You Dangerous. Many of you have told me that the book's unique way of exploring fear, confidence, and purpose has had a lasting impact, that it's much easier for you to get clarity and direction about what really matters and what you want to do in this lifetime. It's also amazing to hear that quite a few of you have read it multiple times and even bought copies for friends, so thank you again. Just in case you weren't aware, I created a free companion video course for the book. And in these videos, I walk you through the big takeaways and practices from each chapter. And I even cover some extra stuff that's not included in the book. Information on how to access the course is in newer versions of the book. And if you own an older version of the book and you don't know how to access the course, just hit me up via the contact form at triplinear.com and we'll get you all set up. And one last thing, if you're one of the thousands who have already read the book, please consider leaving an honest review on Amazon so that others can decide if it's right for them. Again, thank you so much for reading. This book will make you dangerous. And now let's start the show. You are listening to the new man beyond the macho jerk and the new age wimp. Your host is men's coach, Trip Lemire. Is your drive to be successful making you strong or weak? Do you think the folks you put on a pedestal ever have to deal with chaos or failure? And do you believe that once you find your passion that building a business around it is going to be easy? My friend Dr. Eric Goodman is the creator of Foundation Training. He's built a global movement by empowering people to overcome back pain. But like many passion-driven businesses, behind the scenes it's been extremely challenging. Today. We're going to talk about growth, failure, chaos, and this fantasy that building a business around your passion should somehow be a cakewalk. What's unfortunate is I meet a lot of guys and they're they're under a lot of pressure and they're already driving themselves really hard and maybe not for even the best reasons. Um, but they're so out of, t- they're just driving for the sake of driving, you know? Well, there's, there's usually they're a lot, failed. a lot of proving to do, right? It's just like, mm-hmm. I can't slow down or else I'm a, I'm weak or I'm going to get left behind or whatever. They just, they're, you know, just in that top gear all the time. And it's not, it's not in service of what makes them stronger. Cause they're actually not sleeping well. They're not eating well. Their relationships are going to sh- shit. So even, even when they say it's about living my potential, we look at the data, their life's going to shit. They're not really happier. They're not more. And they're getting there quickly. And they're getting there quickly, but you know, they're kind of, they're in that rat race. They're following what others are doing and they're going right off the, the, the cliff essentially. And, and so, you know, but if we slow down a little bit and say, what if, what if your mood has nothing to do with what you're doing? What if your mood has really nothing to do with your output in the world? And it's not, it's not entirely true because we do, obviously we feel the impact of what we're doing out in the world and it feels good or it feels bad. But uh, most of the time they never even consider that, that their mood is like, oh, well, I feel like shit because I'm not sleeping and I'm dumping caffeine and a bunch of other things in my body. I'm eating like crap. And why would my brain function well? Because I'm dumping all of this this stuff in into my brain. It's like, why would it function well? Why would you feel great? And when we we can't, it's, it's a hard argument. It's like, yeah, why would it feel great? You're not doing anything for that brain. We're not we're not thought we're not taught to think of it that way though. We're taught sort of a hey, I'm supposed to feel good which I agree with, but not without effort. 
yeah, you're supposed to feel good. I believe the vast majority of the time. I think that we have. If you take care of the machine, right? If you maintain the exactly, machine. Exactly. Exactly. You have to. And not every machine runs the exact same or requires the same fuel or, or, or has the same output or, or can operate at the same level. And I mean, it's, it, look, the tortoise and the hare. It's all written for us already. Stay diligent, stay disciplined, and go at your pace. Don't compete with everybody around you at every instance of your life because some of them are going to appear substantially more prepared, substantially more talented, faster, stronger, better looking, whatever. But your destinations are different. And if you try to be like them, you're never going to get to yours. And if they try to be like you, they're never going to get to theirs. But if you just really buy into your talents, your abilities, what feels good for you as you go, and and again, the basic maintenance that allows you to keep feeling good, you're going to get there. You got to know your thing. You got to you got you got to spend the time to know your machine, essentially, like yeah. how you run. Because if you are in that comparison state, you're you're screwed. Like you just. I- all we can do is is you see what skills we have and build upon them, but more importantly, see what holes we have and really dig deeper into why those holes exist and see if we can figure out a way to utilize them or, or fill them or whatever. Yeah, and know what we're playing for, right? It's like, do I feel stronger? Do I feel yeah. more expansive? Or am I on a path where, yeah, the bank account might be clicking along or I'm getting a lot of people kissing my ass, but do I actually feel better? Do I actually feel more expansive? I think... I think a lot of times we get stuck on these measurable objective outcomes, but we lose touch with the experiences we most want, you know, wanting to feel free, wanting to feel alive, wanting to feel, uh, love connection, wanting to feel peace. And we lose touch with that stuff. And, and we just get so fixated on the comparisons, the things we can measure, but we lose touch with like, yeah, well, why do I feel empty inside? Why do I feel out of touch? Why do I feel like, like, why do I believe like I was happier back then when I, I had less money or I had less status or I had less this and that. Life's not supposed to just feel good. It's not supposed to just feel bad. Both of them have so much chemistry behind them that our bodies are prepared for and built upon. That's the, the bad is the friction, man. The challenges, the, 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 what am I doing this for? Why am I still going? When you answer those questions, that friction yields the progress that comes next. It yields the next good life is that oscillation and you don't want to avoid the bad feelings you don't want to avoid avoid the weaknesses you want to identifying what that little pleasure seeking thing is you go for each day in some way shape or form but not so much that you stop like avoiding discomfort and trying to like aim your yeah i would say that uh, that what makes us stronger is on the other side of that discomfort right just look at any kind of physical fitness it's like it's not comfortable to go put yourself in a, in some kind of adversity and challenge. So I, I, I think it's great to separate pleasure, um, all the feel good stuff, because where I think we feel stronger and more expansive is on the other side. Right. I, I feel more at peace when I have that difficult conversation, I might have relief by, a, by avoiding it for a while and uh, I'll pay off that credit card later, that kind of thing. But that builds up anxiety. What has peace come in is I attack it. I knock it down. I get it done. And that's not comfortable. But so that, that, that having that discernment between relief and peace, relief is I took a pill. So my tooth doesn't hurt anymore. Peace is I went and got the thing pulled out. Right. Yeah. And you know, that's how we heal. And I, and I think it's, I think we've got to have an understanding of that because most of us are settling for relief. 
we're in a constant cycle of deprivation and then back to relief. Oh, I relief feel bad. is passive. Relief is passive, but it's also it's also just when's the next step coming? Like when's the next thing coming? Instead of I'm the one moving forward, I'm the one driving this thing, and there will be advantage. But I'm not trying to run away from things. I'm going. I'm moving towards those challenges instead of running away from them. That when I'm running away from things, then I'm in a I'm in a constant state of anxiety, and that's there's no peace there. That's just yeah. what do I got to find? What do I got to do to numb myself? What do I got to do to distract myself? That's that's yeah. a terrible. I'm really unhappy in that state, even though I might be quote comfortable. It's not, it's not a great place. It's not a, it's not an experience. Yeah, I, I mean, sitting is a perfect example. You're, we're not, we're built to be able to achieve comfort, but we are not built to stay comfortable. You know, we can sit down and achieve comfort for brief stays, but if you just sit, there's clearly. It's not where you get, you don't get strong there. You don't get no. stronger by sitting. That's in a good fact, example. You, you go the other way. Yeah. yeah. You actually get weaker. I, I, the, one of the things I wanted to check in with you about is, is you and I have um, something in common that we got into what we do because we love what we do. And then we had to learn how to do business around it. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people that are in that boat. And I know people that went to school to study business and then had to like find the thing that they like to do, <laughs> but they could have sold rubber dog shit or subway sandwiches or whatever. They didn't care. They, they wanted to be in business. And then there's, there's, there are folks that are cut from a, a different cloth, which is, I love doing this thing so much, whether it's, you know, creating content or helping people get better or coaching or whatever. And then, holy shit, I got to learn all of this other stuff in order to do it. And I, I'm curious for you, because we haven't really talked about that, but you've had, in order for you to have the impact you've had in, in the world, which just started out as just trying to heal your own back. And we've talked about that several times on the podcast here, but like, it would have been easy for you to just be like, hell with that. I'm just going to, I'm just going to go take care of my back. I'm not going to go build this whole offering out in the world and then learn how to run a business. So what's that been like for you? And I'm happy to share my own experiences too. It's been quite a lot of lessons. A lot of frustration, but ultimately, I've, I've I'm now on my third iteration of foundation training. Um, and what I would say is, for the first ten years of this, I really didn't know what to do with it, so I was taking advice from a lot of places, and I had two different teams built around me by different people, by kind of business partners that then kind of built teams around me, and then I realized, you know, over about five years ago, I started shifting away from. the the current team I was in at that time and over a few years completely changed the team built this new team based on the one guy that started the business with me my my closest friend Dustin of 25 years and my brother-in-law Jesse who I've known for 20 years introduced me to my wife and my produce my production guy who I've been with for 11 years that has filmed every video we've ever done did the first handful for free the first couple of years of it for free and has never been a money maker just always just been there for us and i got rid of all my business partners and i stopped letting teams be built around me and i built my team and i needed those first six or seven or eight years of business lessons to know how to do that and to trust myself to do that and to trust myself to let go of some of the relationships that i that had been there for a while that were that were very clearly wrong at that stage. And, and I could never have moved forward as I have with those partners. Um, 
so business has been this, uh, I, I, I would say my reluctance to business is, is like my reluctance to growing up. It represents, um, giving in to what everybody else does. When you when you don't want to grow up, meaning like you, you allow yourself to be told what to do like a child. No, no, no. Meaning. Oh, you know what? Actually, as you say that, I had a first reaction to that like a child. And then I realized that, <laughs> no, that's actually very accurate. Yeah, because the first I had the team built around me and I was being told what to do. And I was being directed kindly and compassionately and, and with excitement. But I was absolutely being directed how to use my skill set. And the one really cool thing about creating your own skill set and really creating something unique is fuck them. This is mine. You don't know how to use this as well as I know how to use this. And I'm going to make the rules with this. So, yes, you're 100 percent right. I, I decided that much like growing up, it was time for me to make decisions on my own and and trust my capacity and my instinct and my intuition. And that happened as we discussed at length during this process, because I I damn near went nuts a good handful of times during this transition. And I I own that, man. I own that. I remember talking to you and I remember calling you and being like, this is me, man. <laughs> I'm sure. I got half of these. Right now. <laughs> I think, I think it's, I think you just diagnosed yourself as human. <laughs> yeah. But I had to, uh, what I had to do is I had to like recognize how much I was trying to do it once. And I had to recognize that at the heart of that was I needed to change my surrounding not not my immediate surroundings. I didn't need to change my wife, my best friend, my brother-in-law. My, you know, that's not what I needed to change, although I was taking a lot of stress out on those people. I needed to change the people that were actually influencing me, the business partners that really, whether or not they had my best, best interest in heart, they had their perspective of my best, of my best interest at heart and, and were taking all of us for a ride. And we got off the ride and I started this new team and man, we've been thriving ever since. And, and much like every lesson I've ever learned at life, it hurt like hell going through it. And then the, the retroactive thought process, the reverse engineering is like, oh my God, it could have happened no other way. And look where we are, yeah. We're where I hope to get. Look at that, man. All that was, was the ride to get where I hope to get us. And now we're here and let's keep rolling forward. I, I just want to underline a few things there because when i look back at the at what makes this process of you know essentially we're describing like the guy's like oh i've got this passion i want to do this full time it's like oh, get ready it's going to be hard it's going to be really mm -hmm. hard cuz you're what you're essentially saying is i want to do the 10% thing over here and then i want to have somebody else i don't want to either deal with this other 90% of the shit that has to be done or i'm i'm going to be willing to stick my head in the sand about it mm -hmm. i'm willing to give up a lot of responsibility and because I just want to do this other 10%. And I, I, I love that you brought this growing up or adult perspective in there. Cause it's, it's that part of us that just wants to have dessert and doesn't want to want to handle the other stuff. And it's in, and then when you realize that you've made that trade off and you start to see, Oh, I I've paid for this. I've paid mm -hmm. in some way, either in lack of control or lack of equity or like whatever it is. But I've, I've, I've not been able to have my cake and eat it too in a lot of ways. Um, 
we create a box for ourselves. We create a trap in some ways when we just try to to single out the the one aspect that we want to do. But if we're willing to grow up, doesn't mean we have to take everything on ourselves, but it is really about taking ownership of that and being like, I, I take ownership of, of these parts. It's, I'm the, the buck's going to stop with me. I can't play victim anymore. Mm-hmm. It's me. It's me. It's all up to me. And, and when I hear the victim stuff coming out of people and this guy did this and this guy doing that, I'm, I can't do this and I can't do this. Like you're not leading. You're mm-hmm. being led. You're, you're, you're being pushed around. And it's usually by what's happening between your ears. It's not these actual people. You just need to set a boundary and be like, enough, enough of this shit. <laughs> but, um, I, I find that that's a, there's this romantic notion of, of going and we can w- look at Eric Goodman, we can look at, at others that have gone and, and created a movement in the world and think that you are on this pedestal and you only get to do the fun bits and you don't have to deal with any other stuff and you're shaking your head and <laughs> like vigorously right now. It's like, but that, but that's easy to look at that and assume that stuff yeah. and then think we can cherry pick and, and not not see what's underneath the water with this giant iceberg kind of thing. And, and I love that adult perspective because growing up is, can be really freaking painful and, and really hard there. It doesn't mean that, but I, but I think it's easier if you grow up sooner and just like, okay, I'm going to have to take all this on. And I can't play the victim instead of yeah, like we talked about earlier, like how can I just not do the uncomfortable stuff? Like I'm going to build a, I'm going to build this in such a way where I don't have to do anything uncomfortable. And then that's where we really limit ourselves. And I'll be honest with you, man, when I got into the heat, when I really got into it with everybody, I got out of it just as quickly. And, and I'm very happy that none of my failures have ever brought anybody else down. I've always taken them on the head myself and then grown and pursued and got better and tried to do whatever I could to, to do the next thing. But this was the closest I came to my own chaos, really almost almost ending my marriage and almost, you know, almost ending my business and almost ending some friendships because I, I was so chaotic internally when everything hit. Had a kid, changed the business, moved to Hawaii, moved back from Hawaii. I didn't know what, I was so busy. I was so hectic. I was not sleeping. I was just not there. I wasn't, I wasn't available for myself. And that made me completely unavailable for like, I mean, I'll be honest with you, man. It was almost 18 months. You know, it was longer than I'd like it to have been. Yeah. And, uh, it wasn't the entire time. There was ups and downs, of course, but, but it was, uh, it was not thinking with the clarity that I had prior to that 18 months or have had since that 18 months. And you think it was a stress of just all of those things happening at once or what do you, what do you think? It's, it's easy to say all of the above, right? But if you had to looking at it from your perspective now, can you like, okay, how do I make sure I don't go there again? Kind of thing. What do you, what do you, what oh, do you so easy. It was so easy. I gave too much of myself away to everybody else. It was so obvious. What was your style I mean, of giving yourself? From, what, what, what it, how, did, how do we know what it looks like when you were giving yourself away? What does that mean? It was owning a minor percentage of my own business that I invented, created, developed, and, and sweat harder than anybody else for. It was being the only one that was truly in debt to that business, even though everybody else was, was pretending to really give a shit. I was the only one that actually was on the line. And went heavy in debt, uh, which I'm out of, but that was a very challenging time for me. Mm. Um, I mean, my, I borrowed money from my dad's life saving, like from my dad's, uh, life insurance. You know, we took his life insurance out early so that I could change my business. And it was, it was cool to see the support structure, but it was just frustrating to go to. And then, you know, we had just had this baby and, and my wife and I just were not seeing eye to eye. 
you know, we just were not, we were not there for each other in the way we needed to be. You know, I know that a lot of men have felt this way where you just lose your sense of self very quickly, right? When you have your first baby and you kind of have to stagger and re realign, restabilize. And, you know, I, 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 I basically, you know, had to hand over my life savings and a lot more than that a month after my daughter was born. Um, so it scared me a lot. I was really very, I was, I was just scared, man. Yeah. And that fear, then we, then we kind of early on chased this dream of moving out to Hawaii. We just did it a year or two too early. Our daughter was too young. Put that on top of changing the business, going in debt, you know, it's just, it was just too much. It was, it was like, why would you have a great experience? You know? Right. And I, and I (laughs) finally one day said, we, we got to move back to California for a while. We got to let Sonny get a little older. I need to stabilize myself. Jen has done a great job of, of staying healthy and getting healthier and healthier as well. Um, let me know if that lawnmower is really loud in the background. I think it's okay for now. Okay. Um, so, you know, what happened was we just shook the foundation of ourselves and I'm an extremely sensitive person. It's the nature of my work. I mean, in my early 30s, I created a chronic pain protocol. Like, I'm a sensitive person, you know? Let's just, that's just the nature of it. And I love to help people feel well. In fact, it's how I have found that I feel well. It's kind of my most sustainable way of, of feeling really proud and happy in life is to help other people feel well. So I was stuck for like 18 months in this cycle of trying to make myself feel well. And I just fucking forgot that the only way that I'm really good at doing that is by helping other people. So about a year ago, I dove really hard into deciding to help other people a lot more, like more than I was. And I started teaching more workshops and I started teaching more classes and I started taking on more, more patients again. Um, you know, I made sure we were teaching more certifications and that I was teaching all of them. Uh, I took complete ownership of the business. I gave the percentages to the appropriate people that own it with me but I took complete ownership of the decisions that are made in the business. And I took people out of the business that were not, um, they just were, I had to move forward Mm -hmm. plain and simple. And I had to finally accept that my perspective on this was the best perspective on this because a, I'm the doctor B the people are my patients and I'm their doctor and C I'm the one with the pain. I'm the one that came up with it. I'm the one with the rationale of doing this. I'm the only one that this truly, truly at that moment meant something to. And now my team is family. All of us have injuries and all of us have used this work to get out of them. (laughs) Every teacher on my certification team either has had surgery or needed surgery and didn't get it and then used this to really improve their lives. They're all doctors and they're all firefighters. Those are the two types of people we have on our teaching staff now. I just had to change the environment. And um, much like nature, for me, change comes through quite a lot of chaos as it turns out. Yeah. When you talk about, um, figuring out what, what I heard in there was like, what strengthened you was helping other people. There's also a, an aspect of that where we can get out of balance and just like lose ourselves in other people. How did you, how were you aware of what that balance was for you? That was like five, that was like four years, five years ago. So you were, you were in that. Cause that, cause that sounds like who who I have known, which is you're yeah. always helping people, and like even if we were hanging out, it's like oh somebody's coming by and I'm going to do some work with them for oh, twenty no, minutes. Still, you know, it's still that way. 
it's yeah. still that way. That's life. <laughs> that's my right. life. And I, I get and I that, that, but like, do you have a do you have a beat on it now? It's like, hey, there's a point where this strengthens me, and the, and then after this point, it doesn't serve me anymore, and I need to. I've learned take that care to say no. Okay, it's just it's just that simple. Like, it's a very simple answer. I've learned when when I need to say no, I say no. And sometimes I've even said no to some some people that I would have never said no to. That's that ago. I just really got to understand because that that's a hard word for a lot of us, especially if we're in yeah. in some kind of you know situation like we're in where we're helping people. That's essentially, and we love helping people. It's it's I I love it. Even if I go away for a week, I'm kind of like, what are my clients are doing? Like I just I like being in relationship with Absolutely. them. I like helping them out. And there's also a point where it gets out of balance. But if we don't know how to check in with ourselves and be like, wait a second, I'm out of balance here. Something's off. And then number two is like, be able to say no, you know, confront that voice in our head that says, I can't say no or else, right? You know, my business will fall apart or they won't like me or I'm letting them down or I'm a bad person or whatever. Um, Learning that we can say no and the whole thing won't fall apart. In fact, if we say no, we get stronger and everybody else, it can benefit everybody else. What was... What did you have to go through to learn how to say no? The ramifications of too often saying yes. It became it became unsustainable to keep saying yes. Like you just didn't. It, there was no other choice. You had to learn how to say no. Saying yes to too many people almost cost me my marriage, my business, and my friendships because I was so spread thin that I didn't have any time for myself and I didn't know where to say no. I was I had too many patients. I had too many people asking for my time. And it was it was the it was the problem that so many people want to have until they have it. And then you realize that it's it's a legitimate problem, mm. and that you you are giving people your time because you give a shit about what you're doing, and you want to talk to them, and you want to interact with them, and you don't dislike people that you don't interact with. You just are literally so pressed, you can't. You know how I can't, man. I'm sorry. Or you get so spread thin that you're not there with anybody. Even yeah. though you're there with them, you're not there with them at all. Right. You're thinking about the next thing. You're just elsewhere. If you're not there for yourself, if you're not there for your family, for your friends, for your business partners, if you're not doing the things that make you feel well, you have to start saying no. Yeah. You have to. Or else you're you're going to get into a really great initial trap that is extremely deep and is hard to get out of. Yeah, that I'm just looking at how toxic that belief is. I can't say no. Right. Like that's the first thing I would want to challenge if somebody, if, if you and I were talking or anybody else was talking and they're like, Oh, I can't say no. That's the first one we're going to go at. Just like, why not? What, what, what's really the monster under the bed? Right. I can say no for sure. Now I had to. Um, and I found that oddly enough, people respect it just fine. Well, yeah. So tell me like, so to go over that, like, okay, I can't say no into, I'm going to start saying no. What did you learn? Did I mean? Did obviously the whole world didn't fall apart, but a lot of changes, a lot of things changed. Was it was it what you imagined it, it was going to be like? Was it anything like what you imagined it was going to be like when you started setting boundaries? You started saying no. Um, I don't think it was that much of a of a definitive line. I think I have slowly learned the significance of saying no over a handful of years now. So I don't know that it was like a, a moment of change or, but the difference is the difference is like anything that you practice, it's just a little bit easier. Yeah. That's all. That's the only difference. There's no change in my life whatsoever, except when I want there to be a change in my life. Right. And that, that moment to moment control is something that I not only believe in, but I, I believe I've earned it too. And with that comes the confidence to use it. 
I think that's a, that's another point to underline. I was like, who am I to say no? Right. It's like, Oh, I, I'm, you know, I don't, do I deserve to say no? Have I done enough? Or we, we create these metrics that, you know, I'm, I'm weak if I say no, whatever it is, we're always up against something. And so we get out of touch with our own experience. We're driving ourselves into the ground. Can't say no. We keep saying yes. And we create that trap that you're talking about. We get weaker, weaker, weaker. Everything else around us starts to get weaker too. And at some point we got to consider a different strategy and, and say no in service of what strengthens us. What do you use as a metric in your life right now to that? It's like, Oh, I, I got to pump the brakes here. Like what, what's the thing that, that happens for you where you recognize, okay, things are getting out of balance. If I turn on punk music that I always like to listen to and I don't like it, that means I'm paying attention to the wrong shit. <laughs> this morning I was listening to modern man by bad religion and I was just like, yeah. yeah, yeah. So if you can't, enjoy, that's, <laughs> yeah. a, that's a great metric, right? It's like, if I can't enjoy you know what I find enjoyable or, or like if I don't, and I don't see the beauty in the world anymore. Right. I have two musics, two types of music that I, that I enjoy when I'm at my most mellow and it's old country like Waylon Jennings, Willie Nelson, George Strait and, and punk from the nineties when I grew up and listened to it on an, on an everyday basis. So if I've got no FX or, Pennywise or Bad Religion or one of these guys playing, I'm so jazzed, typically. Same with old country. I'm just, I'm cruising down there. I'm, I'm happy. I'm, it's like when I'm surfing. If I'm surfing, I'm relaxed. No matter how intense it is, I'm relaxed. Same with punk music. When I'm off balance, when I'm stressed out, when I'm not sleeping right, when I'm pissed, they, they become abrasive to me. Mm. That energy becomes abrasive. And it's like, oh, there it is, man. You got to relax. You got to go do something fun yeah. now. Yeah. Now. This well, is, I love that that's, that's, the ter- that's the pivot too, is like, oh, I, I go do something fun. I'm the same way. Fun is my medicine. You know, it's play is my medicine. And play, play doesn't mean being silly or careless. It's, I see it as nutrition. It's like, I've got to do this. They, we've, we've actually misnamed it. It shouldn't be called play. Play makes adults think of children, which is a bad thing. What it should be called is activity time. We need activity times throughout the day. The human body needs activity time throughout the day. Yeah, but I think there's a, I think there's a, I think there's an aspect of it too, which is is like, um, where we get over ourselves and we we take risks and we drop the facade of needing to be somebody. I, I agree with you. I agree with everything you're saying, mm-hmm. and I and I think, but we can go be busy. There's lots of guys that they'll go fucking play golf and still throw their clubs in the water. You yeah, know? like they're yeah. not really having fun. They're not playing. Yeah, like I've seen yeah. that guy. I never, I never understood the phrase "play" and "golf" put together. <laughs> <laughs> I think you just do golf. <laughs> I think well, you you and I get along because play is such a natural. It's a thing, you know. We we both know how to play. There's a lot of people who don't know how to play. They're always doing something. I have a slack line set up at my house twenty four seven, twenty four seven, and sometimes I just go out there and and just slack line or practice falling or use it for meditation or use it for balance or just try to stand up for a oh, I wonder if I can stand up for 20 minutes straight today. And those little things make a huge impact. I don't know that it's necessarily good for an adult to go to the playground and go play. I, like, I, I, I think that with that word comes a little bit of translation. Yeah, I think it's limiting, right? Because I, I, what we've learned if we study mammals is that play is where we learn how to improvise. It's where we learn how to take chances. It's where we learn how to practice taking on 
the the challenges that we have. I mean that that's why play is programmed into our our DNA, and mm-hmm. um, and it feels good for a reason is because it makes us stronger. Um, it's not something that we have to wait and earn. You know, I actually think that that play is is rejuvenating, genuinely rejuvenating, and that we've gotten into some kind of puritanical weird programming of like, Oh, pleasure's bad and, and always bad. And, and it makes us weak. And you know, it's like, well, that's not the case for me. Like how, how we're, we're so much better off when we loosen up a bit. I think we perform better when we relax, even the, relax the idea that so much is at stake. And it's like, yeah, where's that playfulness here? Um, who I'm more of a liability when I'm thinking when things matter so much, you know, it doesn't mean I don't care at all, but it's like, if I, Oh man, this really matters. Then I freeze. I don't do it. Yeah. But if I can be playful, I'm dangerous. Like I will, I'm a badass. I will attack that thing. Like, yeah. so there's a sweet spot in there. I know, I know I need, I know I need play <laughs> actually. Cause Allison will, my wife will remind me. He's like, Oh, I, th- I think you need some play time. Like she just knows like, cause I'm just taking things so seriously. But I, I know that when I'm like wanting to get, I'm start getting bitchy with my family. It's like, they're not the problem. I'm letting something else get to me. And that's usually an indicator that I need to go take better care of myself. And that's where play is really helpful there. It's like, I go play, I go take care of myself in some way, and I bring a much better version of me into the house. You oh, know? yeah, absolutely. I'm, instead of, I'll be, I'll be less of a dick whenever everybody else is better, you know? It's, I need to yeah, go take care of myself. You can't wait for everybody else to be better. That's, that'll I'm, just drive I'm you nuts. I'm learning that. I'm in the process of learning that one yeah. with family. You know, like, the better I present my energy, the better the whole situation I love to create an invitation like, hey, I'm in this place. This is what I'm cultivating. I'm being playful. I am having fun. I'm still present, still, right? But, but, and then there's an invitation. Hey, you want to come hang out with me here? Right? That's what if they, what if they don't? It's cool. If they, if they just want to go do that thing. But what I noticed, it's a lot better if I want everybody to be fucking different and I'm tense and I walk in the room. Guess what I just invited everybody into? More tension, more fear, more defensiveness. Well, that's not going to happen. You know, it's just like, I got to bring the thing I'm wanting. So it's like, all right, if I'm wanting that great connection, that, that, that open heartedness, that, Hey, let's, uh, who are you and how you doing today? Kind of thing. I got to start there. I can't be the one that's waiting on everybody else to meet me there. Like you said, that's a pain yeah. in the ass. That's, that's just yeah. a, that's a recipe for disappointment. Well, man, I, I've, I've loved connecting with you in this way, man. It's been, it's been cool to, to go down this road and I've, I get to learn a little bit more about you. We talk, and we get to go pretty deep on some things. And I, I've just always wanted to see if we could explore this and maybe be able to share it too. So I really appreciate that, man. Yeah, this was fun. Thanks, man. I always love talking to you. If these interviews are helping you, then please visit the new man on iTunes and leave us a positive review so others can discover the show more easily. Thanks for listening.